All right, well, if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking there at verses 19 to 34. So we're going to read Matthew 6, verses 19 to 34. Friends, listen. This is God's Word. Do not, this is Jesus talking, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is God's word. We are in a series called, What Does It Mean to Follow Jesus? And uh, when we begin to follow Jesus, um, there are lots of things that Jesus provides for us that we know we need. Right? Things that attract us to Jesus. Things that make us come running and say, you know what? Yeah, yeah, if, if Jesus provides that, I, I'm in. I'm in. We want, you know, for instance, we want his strength and his grace. Right? We want Jesus' grace. We, we need his acceptance and his forgiveness. These are things that make us want to come to him. We want his presence in our lives. We want his wisdom with us when life gets tough. But when we begin to follow Jesus, sometimes Jesus asks us to follow him in ways that make us uncomfortable. Okay? Not everything that Jesus asks immediately causes us to go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I want. Right? Sometimes Jesus asks us to follow him in something and we think, ooh, hold on a second. (laughs) I didn't know that was part of the deal here. Right? Um, and for some, money is one of those issues, 
Right? When Jesus talks about money, it makes some people really, really uncomfortable. And it does that sometimes because either they've had or they've heard of someone who's had an awful experience in a church over money. Other times, it's because money is just a really sensitive subject. You know, it bothers us. It affects all of us. Uh, and so I thought about this, you know, in the idea of, of what does it mean to follow Jesus. And as I, as I was looking at this passage, studying it, thinking about it, I began to ask myself, you know, what is money? Right? What, I mean, what, at the core, what is money? I thought if we could answer that question, that might help us to think about money uh, a little differently. And what I came up with is that, you know, sort of if you do the historical study of where money came from, you know, at the core, money is the value that society places on your work and things. Okay, I think that's a helpful definition. At the core, money is the value that society places on your work, right? That's what you get paid. Um, And then on things, that's what you pay out. Now, money began as a system of exchange, Right? It, it was a system. Money was how people valued goods and services to make exchanging them easier. Okay, so just you know, think about this. When, a lab, when labor begins to specialize, right, and you don't have a family that grows its own food, makes its own clothes, right, builds its own house. When you move away from that and you have somebody who all they do for a living is that they make clothing and, and, and for other people, it becomes a challenge for that person to say, okay, Beth, I'll trade you a shirt for, oh, you make shoes for a pair of shoes, okay? And then, Paul, you build houses, so I'll give you, um, let's see, 50 shirts so that you can build, I mean, it doesn't really work because Paul doesn't need 50 shirts, right? And so money became the system that was put in place to make exchange easier, right? It's better than the barter system because when people specialize, it makes it easier. So that's kind of where it came from, which is interesting, But today, money means something more, okay? We are so removed from that barter system. We're so removed from thinking about that. Today, at the core, I think money has come to represent choice. Money represents choice. It's the options that we have, okay? And we make choices all the time with our money, every single day. You make choices with your money, what you're going to buy, what you're going to choose not to buy. It's as granular as you make a decision in the morning sometimes. Am I going to buy my lunch or am I going to bring it with me? Right? Um, We do this all the time and every day. We we make decisions um, and then we begin to make decisions for big things and we begin, you know, we begin to revolve our life around the decisions that, 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 that are driven by money. How much we have, how much we want, how much we don't have. Okay? Our money choices reveal what is most important to us. Okay? The choices that we make, our choices reveal what we're living for. Now, Jesus talks about money because, frankly, money is a huge challenge in our lives, and he knows it, right? And so if something is challenging us, if something is difficult for us, Jesus wants to talk about it, okay? He wants to talk about it. And, I mean, it doesn't take very long, right? We don't have to go very far to think about just how much money affects not just our individual lives, but our nation and now our world, right? We were crawling out of a recession from 2008, And now it seems like we're in chaos and we're not sure which way is up, 
financially. The market can't figure it out, right? We had more, I think this last week in the stock market, it was the most volatile, um, it was the most volatile stock market in the history of the stock market. And it's because things in Europe are not good. It's because things in our country are not good. And, the, and when, when nervousness happens, there's this exchange called the VIX, which is a, is a measure of fear in the market. The VIX is higher than it has ever been. It's at historic highs. And so these things breed fear because things get chaotic. Things become upheaved. And everyone struggles with this, right? We all feel it. We all feel this encroaching fear. Why? It's because of money. It's because of money. And why money is at the core is because we don't have enough. Right? It's because we don't have enough, right? If we just had a little more money, right, then we'd be happy. You know, if we could just get a raise, right? You know, in your budget, there's that, there's that pencil-thin margin between what you make and what you spend. And if you could just get a raise, that cushion would make all the difference in the world, right? If you could just get that promotion, then you'd be able to breathe and relax. You'd feel some security. Folks, that's a lie. That is a lie. If you think that you need just a little more money to be happy... You are believing a lie. And what's worse, if you believe that, you are already enslaved to money. If the decisions in your heart and in your mind revolve around, if I could just get a little more money to be happy, then money is already controlling you. That's why Jesus talks about money. Jesus talks about money because Jesus wants to set you free. He wants to teach you how to think about money so that you can experience real freedom. Let me tell you what Jesus' wisdom is not. Okay? Because I know that I've seen it. I've heard it myself. Man, people draw you in. They suck you in. And then the answer is, well, so Jesus says, just give all your money to him. Okay? Okay? Make the check out to Harbor Presbyterian Church. Right? That is not what Jesus says. That's not Jesus' wisdom. Jesus' answer is not give all your money to him. That is not the purpose that Jesus has for money. Okay? Jesus wants you to experience security, peace, and happiness. And Jesus knows that the only way that you can experience that is if you follow him with your money. Okay, and so as we see Jesus, that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to see Jesus' wisdom on money. That's what we're going to look at today. And as we do that, you're going to recognize that money is really just one thing in our lives that tries to control us. Okay, so what we see about Jesus' wisdom on money can be applied to lots of other things. It can be applied to work. It can be applied to relationships. It can be applied to needing control in your life. There's all sorts of things that, um, that, that this can apply to. But if you will embrace Jesus' wisdom, you can have freedom and security. And you will find that your money can actually grow your relationship with him. Okay, that's what we're going to try to end up at.
a place where the money that you have will grow your personal experience of Jesus. So we're going to look at four things today. I'm not going to give them all to you at once. We're just going to see them as we, as we walk through this. But the, So the first, the first point there on your outline, Jesus' wisdom here, is the first thing he says is that money doesn't last. Money doesn't last. And this is verses 19 and 20. There Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Okay, so Jesus talks about this idea of laying up treasures, right? You got two choices. Either lay them up on earth or you can lay up treasures in heaven. Um, We need a definition here. To lay up treasure, what does that mean? What does it mean to lay up treasure in heaven or on earth? Well, to lay up treasure means to spend your life accumulating. Okay? That's what that means. So Jesus is saying, do not spend your life accumulating treasures on earth, but spend your life accumulating treasures in heaven. And Jesus is very practical here, right? The the wisdom that he is imparting to us is not necessarily something that you wouldn't think of on your own. In fact, I'm sure a bunch of you have thought of this, even apart from Jesus' words. But what he says flat out is that money doesn't last. The things money buys don't last. Okay, he says, moth and rust destroy. Right? I was trying to think, like, how do we relate to the moth thing? Well... Do you have any garments in your closet that have little tiny holes in them? Right? Um, With rust. I mean, this whole thing, it's our garages. Right? Um, I know some of you have moved downtown simply because it has forced you to not have a garage anymore. Right? It was so bad that you thought, okay, this will be a way if I just get rid of my garage. Right? Then I won't be suspect to this. Um, Jesus is reminding us that the things that money buys don't last. Okay? Now, what I've found, I guess, as I thought about this, is that it seems like there's something that happens to our stuff long before moth can get in and, and eat it or rust can come in and destroy it. Right? Because you've got a bunch of stuff that isn't moth-eaten, but you don't use it. There's a lot of stuff you have that's rusty, or that's not rusty yet, but you still don't use it. Right? Any sense of what that might be? Like, what is it that really gets in and destroys our stuff before it gets old? Attachment? Yeah, it's interesting, right? That, that, uh, Laney and I have watched a few of the episodes of Hoarders that's on cable. Um, boy, that's a good example. And what's funny is that as we watch that, you know, these are clearly people that have, I mean, something I think that's diagnosable. There's a psychological condition that's just a radically extreme version of what's exactly inside my heart. You know, I watch these folks and I think, well, okay, my house doesn't look like this, but it's only because Lainey and I intentionally purge our whole house twice a year so that we just try to move all that stuff out. Um, 
but that is in, I mean, it's in all of us. This thing of, it, it's this thing in us about things. Um, the thing that gets to us before moth and rust can, the thing that gets to our stuff, actually, um, it's the culture. It's the culture that we live in. Because before moth can come in and eat it, or rust can come in and destroy it, making something old, the culture tells you, you know what? That's old. That's old. The glasses that you wear. Seriously? Like, can't you get an updated pair of those? I mean, the car that you have. Like, really? Like, do you see what people are driving nowadays? Like, what is wrong with you? You're, oh, oh, you're wearing those clothes? <laughs> like, that's, I mean, you know, in the extremes, they show parodies of this, like, oh, that's so April. <laughs> right? If you go to the stores today, and just about anything, you are buying something that marketers actually think through what they call planned obsolescence. They plan on what you buy being obsolete in a very short period of time. The fact that they know this and have named it and are working really hard to get you to want it Right? You want it so badly. And then you get it, and the hard part is that you really don't think about it because, you know, if you get the iPhone 3 and then the iPhone 4 comes out, you look at it, you go, like, my iPhone looks cruddy now. Like, it doesn't look as cool as the iPhone 4. I mean, just you look at the two of them and you go, who would ever choose this? You know, and then if you've got the iPhone 4, you're looking at the iPhone 3 and going, oh, yeah, sorry for you. You know, and maybe that's not in your heart, but there's this psychological thing. It's, it's planned obsolescence, and you have to be aware of it. Okay, you have to be aware of it because it's part of it's part of the lie. It's part of the lie, and Jesus wants to try to cut through that, and He wants to help you to realize that money and the things that money buys don't last. Jesus says, if you lay up treasure on earth, it'll get destroyed. Either physically, the culture will move on, or the culture, maybe the culture is the thieves that break in and steal. They don't really steal, but they just tell you that your stuff's worthless, and then they sell you something else. Um, But against that, Jesus says, no, lay up treasures for yourselves in heaven. Lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. So what Jesus is saying there is he's saying, you focus on heaven, not on earth. Okay? Now, what does this mean? What does this mean? This doesn't mean that you do away with everything on the earth. Okay? And there are times when that sort of feels like some of the answers that are given. Oh, you just got to get rid of all your stuff. You know, live in a box. Um, you know, have nothing other than what, if you didn't have, you would die. Right? I don't think that's the answer. And why do I know that's not what Jesus is saying? It's because Jesus is the God 
who made the world. Jesus is the God who made a world that is full of gloriously beautiful things. And and Jesus is the God who made the people in his image who take the stuff that he made and create even more wonderful and beautiful things. And so the point here is not to do away with everything on earth. And we know this because God made it all. We also know this because Jesus teaches us to pray. Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Right? So Jesus isn't saying, like, you forsake everything on the earth. Jesus is saying what the goal is to bring heaven and earth together. Okay? And that's what Jesus is saying. So what does it mean to lay up treasures for yourself in heaven? Well, it means that you use your money for four things. Okay? You, so what does God, what does Jesus want you to do with your money? So that it will last, right? To make it last. One, you use it to honor God. Two, you use it to provide for your needs. Three, this is the one everybody misses. You use it to celebrate life. Jesus wants you to use a portion of your money to celebrate life. And then four, you use it to care for others. If you use your money in that way, in that order, to honor God, to provide for your needs, to celebrate life, to care for others, and three and four, you know, there's there's some give and take there in terms of the ordering of that. Uh, There's wisdom that you apply there. If you do that, then you will use your money in a way that will last forever. That's good news. So in terms of honoring God, right, just really, really quickly, because the rest of the points are going to flesh some of this out. But in terms of honoring God, that means that you give to God what God asks you to give to him and to his work directly, right? The Bible calls that a tithe. Right? You tithe 10% of your income to the Lord. That's why you, honor, you put him first and you honor him. Then you provide for your needs. Right? You use the money that you have to provide for your needs. And then outside of that, you celebrate life and you care for other people. When you do that, the, the, the two, three, and four are actually part of honoring God. Okay? God calls you to provide for your needs. Right? And he's, he's enabled you to work so that you can provide for your needs. And when you provide, when you pay your bills with your money in thankfulness to God that he's given you a job, then what that does is that makes that money that you're using to spend on your bills, and that's an opportunity to lay up treasure in heaven. Because you are honoring God by being faithful to his calling in your life to work. Does that make sense? So you actually connect that to God. It's not just that number one is an honor to God, but two, three, and four all honor God. And we're going to talk more about that. So um, I think what this means is this helps us to think, well, what are we spending our money on and will it last? You know, so this is going to drive us to think about, um, you know, obviously you want to live a life where you're able to provide for your needs. And so when you pay your bills, your life is going to last right? Um, when you celebrate life, that is an, actually an opportunity to enjoy life. God has built into the created order a desire for us not to be working all the time, 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 
right? He wants us one day in seven to rest, to stop working, because that's part of his rejuvenating us. It's part of us stopping and realizing, you know what, that even when we work and work and work and work and work, God also, there's things that we rely on for God. And when we celebrate in life, we are celebrating that principle that God is not, hasn't created machines, right? That we have time to work, we have time to celebrate. And that celebration, if you do it in thankfulness to God that he has provided for you so you can celebrate, then your celebration actually honors him. And as you care for others, Jesus says when you do that in his name, you're actually caring for Jesus himself. And so when you care for others, like all of these four ways are a way to lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Okay? And my hope is that you'll see that and understand it. It'll take a little while because I think that's a bit of a shift. I think most of the time when I've heard in church, laying up treasures in heaven means focusing on God, giving your money to him. But God is the God of all of life. And he wants to be involved in, our, in all of our lives, in every, er, er, every area of our lives. So money doesn't last, but you can make your money last forever when you use it to honor God. Okay. So the second thing Jesus says, after he says money doesn't last, Jesus says money also consumes your life. Money consumes your life. This is verses 21 to 23. Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And so Jesus is taking it a step further. He's saying, the idea of laying up treasures for yourself, well, what you deem to be a treasure will draw your heart. Okay, what you decide treasure is in your life, whatever it is, if it's something that is going not to last, if it's something that's not going to last, or if it's something that will last, whatever you deem to be treasure in your life, whatever you deem significant, it will draw your heart and your eyes will follow. So your heart and your eyes will be followed Will, will follow and become focused and fixated on what you treasure. Okay, and so Jesus is saying, if you fixate your heart on money, then, you're, then you will be consumed. It will ultimately consume you. It will push its way into every decision that you make. It will push its way into all the stuff that you do, and you will revolve your life more and more and more around, the, around money. If career is what you treasure, you do the same thing. If stuff, if it's a car, or if it's a phone, or if it's a, whatever, if it's a relationship, you know, what happens is what you put your heart on, what you affix your heart to, what you treasure, it will end up controlling you. And the thing about the eye is that Jesus is saying that whatever you focus your eyes on, whatever you look at, gaze at, that will fill your body. And he's saying, if you gaze at things that are not going to last, those are things that actually breed darkness. Those are things that breed isolation. Those are things that don't actually satisfy, that breed fear. When you fix your eye on that, the thing, your eyes are supposed to bring in light, but that's darkness. He says your whole body will be filled with darkness. 
The alternative that Jesus proposes, you know, is that if your eye is healthy, meaning if you are treasuring things that will last forever, then your eye, when your eye gazes at those things, it will fill your body with light. And so what this means is if you treasure God, if you treasure things that are going to last forever, if you treasure relationships, you know, if you treasure caring for people, providing for your needs, honoring God, celebrating, if you treasure those things, your eye will be drawn to those things and they will remind you actually that you have a relationship with Jesus and you are following him in the way you use your money. Jesus says that's how you fill your life with light. He's saying, if you want to follow me, then be consumed with me. Like, set your heart on me, what I've done for you, what I'm doing in you, and what my heart's desire is to do through you. Right, when we do that, it has a huge impact. You will be moved to spend time with God regularly. You will know God. You'll be moved to spend time with people in the church. right? And you'll find, I mean, this is what's amazing, is that when you do that, when you decide, you know what, I'm going to treasure my relationship with God more than anything else. I'm going to treasure providing for my needs, celebrating life, and caring for others. When you, when, you, when you set your heart on those four things, what happens is that your life begins to be filled with things, boy, that pour back into you. It's really this wonderful cycle. You treasure what God is treasuring. And it fills you up and it actually makes you happy. It makes you secure. And it makes it so that you don't have to have fill in the blank. And so you just want to ask yourself, um, what do I want to be consumed with? Think about that. Do you want to be consumed with money? Or would you rather be consumed with Jesus? I like that Jesus is telling us these things because in saying these things, he really is inviting us to follow him. He did these things. He avoided the temptation to, I mean, think about his life, his life on earth, right? He was not consumed with money. He was not consumed with things that don't last. Jesus realized that his calling in life was not to leave a garage full of stuff. It's kind of silly, but I mean, really, think about that. Jesus was a human being, lived on earth, right? And he set his mind, he laid up treasure in heaven. He left a legacy of relationships and transformed lives here on earth. He wasn't consumed with things. He was consumed with God and with you. And so lest you be concerned about trusting him and following him in this, just realize that Jesus' life was consumed with knowing God and loving you. And his life led him to a resurrection and eternity. 
Jesus is exalted. He has the highest place because he did this perfectly. And if you follow him, you will experience that same relationship with God that he had. He'll experience a legacy in your life of things that will last. The third thing Jesus says about money is that money competes with God. Money competes with God. This is verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So again, this is helping us understand that, I mean, money in and of itself is not evil, but, I mean, the Bible says it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Um, And this is where Jesus goes. He's saying money competes with God. Um, Money wants to be God in our lives. And, And we can feel that, right? Because in that moment, you have a choice, right? In that moment this last week, you had a choice. Do I want to honor God or will I lie, tell a half-truth? Will I cheat or steal to get more money? Right? This happens to us all the time. I mean, I spent 10 years in the working world before. I was in sales. The opportunities to lie, to cut corners, to steal abound. Right? And in those moments, we feel the competition that exists. Right? I mean, it really is a competition. It is a competition between God and money in our lives. And it competes every day. You know? And, and some, so sometimes it's really like there's the battle. That's it. We either won or lost. If we lost, we go to the Lord for forgiveness. And he is quick to forgive. He is quick to forgive and wants to come alongside and strengthen us so that we can continue to grow. But there's other times where it's a lot more subtle, right? I've got some extra time in my life. What am I going to do with it? Do you want to choose to continue to make more money with that time so that the extra space that you had in your life is now going to continue to be devoted to making money? Or do you want to use that time to serve the Lord? If you believe the lie that all you need is a little more money, then the temptation to use that extra time is very compelling, right? It's really like, because if I just had another hundred bucks a month, right? If I just had another, you know, if I could just make that car pay, you know, I mean, that's how it feels, right? Or if I could just get out of debt, right? And, and sometimes, um, I mean, that's a, I guess that's a complication that's, that's layered on top of this. But, um, but when you, if that's, if you believe the lie, you'll be tempted to think that way. But if you realize, wait a second, the way that I need to use my money is to honor God, to provide for my needs, to celebrate and care for others. If this is what my life is about, then my life actually is about knowing God. Right? My life is about knowing God and caring about what he thinks, spending time with him, and then following his plan for my life. And if that's what you believe, then... The question comes, with this extra time that I have in my life, how can I best serve God? 
Like, what does God want me to do with that extra? And I mean, so it's, so I'm bringing this up as an example of there are other times where it's much more subtle, that shift between like, do I serve God or do I serve money? Now, here's where the debt thing comes back in. Let's say you've got that extra space in your life and you have debt. Maybe, as you think and pray through this, maybe what God wants for you is to use that extra space so you can get more work or do more work so you can pay off your debt, right? And then it becomes, again, you're doing this not because you're serving money, but because you want to serve God and get out of debt by serving him. You know what I mean? You want to serve God by getting out of debt. So, I mean, these are part of the wisdom of how you apply these things. Um, But the point here that Jesus is making is that we never really set out to do this, I don't think. We don't ever set out to think, well, okay, I don't love God, I love money, so I'm going to do this. I mean, usually what we do is we think, I just want to provide for my needs, or I think I deserve this, or it's not a big deal if I just do this. And I think what Jesus is trying to help us understand is um, that what, what he wants is a relationship with us. And he knows that if we are living for money, we're not going to be living for God. And so, how do you work this out? Well, when you feel this tension between God and money, what you want to do is you want to bring those things together in your life. Okay, you want to ask yourself, if this is something that I think I need or really want, can I bring this underneath my relationship with God? Can I serve God and have this also? Can I have this and serve God with it or in, in getting it or in doing it? Um, and there are times when the answer ends up being no. God is saying, if you do that, you're not going to be honoring me. In which case, the competition, I mean, the wisest thing to do is to follow Jesus. I mean, the best life you can have would be to follow Jesus in that. Um, And then there's other times where you realize, you know what? This will actually enable me to care for other people more. In which case, you can move ahead. So I think that the way um, that Jesus would encourage us, and the way that he does encourage us um, to help keep money and other things from competing with God is that he would tell us that what we need is we need to build margin in our lives. Okay? What, what is margin? I mean, you think about margins, um, you know, in your bulletin, right? The margin is the white space. Right? And, and I think what is wise is that you need to build margin into your life. Okay? You need to build financial margin into your life, which means, so what would happen if we made the words on this page so big that there were no white spaces and the entire page is filled up. Would it be easier to read because the, the letters are bigger? I mean, if I had a visual, I could show it to you, but I mean, the answer is no. When you live your life, when you, when you push things all the way out to the margin um, in printing in your life, you end up enslaved to it. Um, and the problem for us is that we don't have financial margin in our lives. Um, we've got to create financial space for ourselves to breathe, okay? And so this is why you make cutbacks in your budget, right? It's not, uh, or this should be the motivation, is that if you can create space for you to breathe, 
so that every month you're not right at the edge or every month you're not underwater. You can make decisions. That's how you honor God. Because God doesn't want you living at the edge of your life, at the edge of your financial ability. Um, and so and we're going to talk more about this here in the next point. So, um, so let's move on. So money competes. Money doesn't last. Money consumes your life. Money competes with God. And then our last point, this one's really quick, quick, is that money fills your life with anxiety. Money fills your life with anxiety. And this is verses 25 to 34. And there Jesus sort of targets in on food and clothing, right? And he's saying that the needs that you have can consume you if you let them. The needs you have can consume you. They create anxiety. They make us actually anxious. And Jesus says, I mean, it's kind of, it can be frustrating if you just take it at the, and don't read on. He just says, therefore, I tell you, verse 25, don't be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will wear. You might be thinking, well, that's not helpful. (laughs) It's easy for you to say, Jesus. Um, I didn't mean it, I'm sorry. What Jesus is saying there, he's saying when he says don't be anxious, he's getting back to that point of don't let your life be consumed about these things. Okay, and then he brings up flowers. God you know, cares for them. The birds, God cares for them. That seems a little bit crazy. Because as I read it, did you kind of feel like, well, so what is Jesus saying here? Is he saying I don't have to do anything? Is he telling me I just need to sit down and, and pray a lot, and then God will just sort of send the money in by mail or by PayPal? I mean, if you read it, it's kind of, right? You know, look at the birds. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, but God provides for them. God will provide for you. You don't have to work. Is that what he's saying? Ooh, that's true. There's a verse in the Bible. Oh, man, we got to cut that out, right? There's a verse in the Bible that says, if someone doesn't work, they shouldn't eat. So Jesus is not saying that. But what is he saying? It's interesting, and this is just to get into the technical, so we're not going to pick on Jesus, because Jesus is actually right. What does he say, actually, about the birds? Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns. What do birds do? (laughs) How do birds eat? They gather. They gather, but they don't gather into barns. They gather every day. And what Jesus is saying is that God provides things for birds to gather every day. What does that mean for us? No, we're actually more important than birds. That's what Jesus' point is. He loves you even more than he loves birds. So what does that mean? It means that God cares for you and he will bless your life financially if you follow him. Okay, and so what does that mean? Well, that means what Jesus says it means here in verse 30 is verse 33. He says, here's the answer. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. 
So Jesus is saying you put God first. So the way to build margin in your life is to figure out what is most important and do that first. Right? And so Jesus is saying, put God first. And, and now we're back to our fourfold thing, right? That God gives you money, right? You have money so that you will first honor God, so that you will second provide for your needs. And then third and fourth, you'll celebrate and care for other people. Jesus says, if you do that, God will provide for you. That's his promise. And so, when you think about this, I mean, getting really practical, right? What exactly does that mean? So, I've got money here. I've got 10 $1 bills, okay? Just to give us a visual so that we can put it here. So, what does this mean? If you've got $10, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Doesn't that always happen in life? So... Jesus says, that's right, it flies away. Doesn't the Bible say that? <clears throat> okay, so Jesus says, how does, this, how does money work? First, you honor God. That means you give him one. Okay? One goes to the Lord. This is your tithe. This is what Jesus is saying. You honor him. You got nine left over. Second, you got to provide for your needs. Okay? You provide for needs. So you figure out what are your needs. God wants you, yes, you make a list. I mean, you do, this is where a budget comes from, right? Now, I would say that when the Bible says you need to provide for your needs, it's telling you to provide for your needs both now and anticipating, you know, emergencies. And so I think the best wisdom, I think the best wisdom is based on biblical principles is to take another one of these and put it into savings. This is what we've done ever since we've been married and before that. Um, so you put one into savings, and then you've got eight left over. And with eight, you provide for your immediate needs, you celebrate, and you care for others. And that's what you do. That's how you build financial margin in your life. If you can do this, then you can live within these boundaries in freedom. In real freedom. Because you are now free to choose to do whatever you want with this. Provide for your needs. And sometimes, you know, when your needs come, right, it takes all of this and sometimes they'll even cut this in half, right, and you're left over with just this much to celebrate and to care for others. You can always look and, and say, all right, well, what are my real needs? But I mean, that's the decision that you need to make. You want to get to a place where with these $8, <clears throat> you can provide for your needs you've got a little bit left over to be able to celebrate and care for other people. That's what you want to aim for. And you want to make your decisions and build your life around that. Because at that point, you are living free. You're honoring God, first and foremost. You are taking care of the future, right, in terms of emergencies. And then with what's left over, you need to think through wisely. How can I provide for my needs, celebrate, and then care for others? Um, I just want to end by talking, I mean, just reminding us that this is Jesus who is telling us these things. Right? This is Jesus who is saying these things, and Jesus knows what he's talking about. Okay, not only because he's God, but because this was how he lived his life. 
at the end of his life, in John 17, 4, Jesus said, God, I have finished the work you've given me to do. I have finished the work you've given me to do. And he came, lived in this way. He put God first. He made sure his needs were provided for. He had people that supported him and his needs were provided for so that he could be the blessing and and fulfill the mission that God had for him. And then he went to the cross. He completely emptied himself so that you don't have to. Right? He went to the cross and sacrificed not just a dollar for God, right? but he gave up his entire bank account. He gave his entire life for you. He died for your sins. And then he rose again to show you that he can be trusted. To show you that if you trust him in this wisdom and follow him, that he will lead you to experience the best life you could possibly experience here and now. Let's pray. Lord, um, I thank you for speaking to us. Um, I thank you for your wisdom, and I pray that you would help us, that you'd help us to follow you. Lord, draw us close to you. This is about knowing you. And and Lord, I'm reminded of all the times where people uh, have testified that um, when they've trusted you with their finances, that you have come through and you've blown their minds. You've provided for them in, in rich and abundant ways. And I just, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to grow um, as a church, that we would continue to press into you and to trust you with this area of our finances so that we can experience your real peace, so that we can have lives that are not driven by uh, money, but are driven by you. Help us, Lord, to be able to think through and, and to make decisions with the money that we have. Help us to be able to live within the margins so that we're not maxed out all the time. Lord, I pray that you would show us this reality, that as we put this into practice, that our relationship with you would grow and flourish because we would see that our lives are, are, are worth so much more than just being about our money. They're about you. They're about eternity. They're about relationships. They're about us enjoying you, enjoying each other, helping be a blessing to other people. Lord, help us do this so that we can give you even more glory. We pray this in your name. Amen.